1077 The Franchise is your flagship for Oklahoma sports. So we decided to launch a podcast with the very best names in Oklahoma sports media to cover it. When they said no, we called in some interns. Thank goodness John changed his mind before we did something stupid. This is Inside OU with John Hoover on the Franchise Podcast Network. What's up, my lovelies? Welcome to another edition of the Inside OU Podcast. Uh, Hello, everybody. Watching on John Hoover's YouTube channel. The first video, John, we did, how many views did you get? Uh, like the first couple of days, it was over 600, 700. Yeah, and right, right now, the uh, one that we had yet the other day with Rufus um, Alexander, that one's up to five or 600 already. So the, mm-hmm. vid- the video is getting some good yeah. traction so far. People so people are actually f- opening their computer or phone <laughs> and watching us talk about OU football. That's mind blowing. Yeah. People are just a star for football as I am oh, because, yeah. like, and we're going to get into this a little bit later, John, but uh, like, I'm so hungry for football. <laughs> I am so annoyed that we have sat here for the last month and a half basically trying to tell ourselves Houston's going to beat OU or Houston's <laughs> going to score 40 points against OU. Yeah. It's like, uh, come on, just play the game. Just play the game. But, you know, rest assured, John Hoover is here. Uh, this is Brady Trantham, and you are listening to the Inside OU podcast. And uh, if you're watching, on John's YouTube channel, you'll notice that we're back at the same spot that we were for the second or third episode. Uh, we're at Blue in Norman, so shout out to Blue and Nikki for helping us out, letting us have a place to crumb, crash while we do the recording. But sadly for John, we probably should have been recording this about. We should we should be wrapping up by now. But you had to be a patient soldier <laughs> for OU availability today. Yeah, the, these things happen. Um, yeah, we're all at the uh, the whim of the head coach. And his schedule or schedule adjustments, you know, you come down for 5.30 media availability, you, you line up for interviews at 5.30, you expect maybe at 5.40 they're going to get off the field and they're going to get started. No, we didn't start. Uh, we didn't begin. We didn't begin the interviews until about 5. Well, no, it was, it was after 6 because the show had started. I'm supposed to be on the air with Colby and uh, Chisholm at 6, and uh, 6 o'clock rolls around, and we're still waiting. We're still waiting for Bill Biedenboe and C.D. Lamb and uh, and uh, the new captain, and in typical, Jalen Hurts. And in typical being patient for journalism fashion, they gave you a lot of great stuff to chew on that you're going to share first <laughs> on the Inside OU podcast, right? That's right. You heard it here first. <laughs> oh, no. I've... Um, I don't know how, how many hours of my life I've already wasted covering the Thunder, just waiting for them. Yeah. Um, Paul George was the worst. Like was it, he really? Yeah, it was, there was always this joke of um, whenever we, you know, just for a random practice, and, you know, they don't have a game that day, they don't have a game the, the next day, it's really laid back. It's like, okay, let's just go out there, let's mm-hmm. go talk, let's get our quotes, let's transcribe, let's write our stories, and then we can all go home. Well, there was this one day where Paul George had to um, – he had to get a haircut, and he was getting a haircut. <laughs> he had to wait on Paul George's well, haircut. Well, he, he had to get a haircut in the practice facility, and <laughs> he had to keep coming over to us and say, he's almost done, guys. He's almost done. <laughs> he's getting his sideburns trimmed ten, up now. Ten minutes later, 15 <laughs> minutes later, 20 minutes later. I'm not kidding. 45 oh minutes later. God. And it's it's like an hour, and I think I had to – I was bartending at the time. I had to – I was like, guys, I live in Norman. I got to go. Like, this is all the way up over by the station in North OKC. So I was like, ah, I need to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And I think – 
about five or ten minutes later when I was on the road, I started getting notifications from like Eric Horn, like, okay, now they're finally yeah. talking to him. So it was always like anytime we had to wait a little long, we were just like, they're getting a haircut, right? Oh, <laughs> so man. maybe maybe uh, Jalen Hurts is getting a haircut since he's, since he's now the uh, captain. He's got to get that new captain fresh cut. You know, uh, Dennis Dodd was in town. To, they're oh, shooting yeah. some. Yeah. They're shooting some stuff. They're doing, and he had to go live. He had to go live with the online video or whatever. However, they're doing whatever they're doing at CBS. And so Dennis walks in and he's like, "Yeah, I called my calc and said, come here. We'll, you know, we'll be uh, we'll be doing some interviews." And I said, "Yeah, be great. I'll come over." And so he comes over and what happens? He's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting. And then Bill Beatenbow shows up and he's like, "Guys, I gotta go. I got I got a live shot. It's supposed to be an hour <laughs> ago, but yeah, no, you know, and like." I've been in your position just not as, not as many times as you have, of course, but um, I've been, like I said, I've been in that position before, and I can only imagine if, if I were you, as soon as Beedenbo walked up, I, I would have been thinking, he's not going to tell us who's going to start. Yeah, and- We're not going to get anything. I live in Tulsa. This is going to be such a long, unnecessary evening for me. But it was. It's going to be a long drive. Uh, two hours here to, to wait for an hour to talk to Bill Beedenboe about who's not playing offensive line and then talk to Jalen Hurts <laughs> about it. Guys, who's a quote machine. <laughs> hey, uh, Jalen, he's going to be – he's a great dude and he's going to be a great quarterback oh, at yeah. OU, but he is most definitely not a quote machine. Well, did he say anything interesting like being a coffee bean again? No, he's trying to be the best version of himself. He said that literally about six times. Hey, I mean, I hope so. I, dro- I drove a long way to get that quote, guys, so <laughs> – you're welcome, Sooner Nation. I'm doing it for you. I, I certainly hope so. Um, I mean, well, I guess you were there. Um, you heard things, and even though everything might not be <laughs> might have been as substantial as you wanted, was there anything, John? Um, anything at all that we could uh, chew on right now? The reason that they haven't put out a depth chart, for instance, uh, do, should we should we back up? They named captains. They, yeah, they named they captains. Named four captains: today. Jalen Hurts, Creed Humphrey, uh, Kenneth Murray. And Neville, Neville Gallimore, Gallimore was the fourth captain. So those are the four captains. No surprise there. Those guys all showed up uh, at media at Big 12 Media Day except for Jalen. Um, I thought CD might be like a fifth captain, but I guess not. Didn't get uh, the required number of was votes. Was he a captain last year? I don't think so. No. But he was at Big 12 Media Day. I think Kenneth Mann – was Kenneth Mann – somebody was a captain last year that's still on the team that's not a captain I now. I can't remember. I could have sworn it was either CD or Kenneth Mann. Yeah, I can't and it's remember. like CDs is going to get taken by Jalen Hurts. That mm-hmm. that kind of makes sense makes from sense. all the things that we've heard. And that's what's interesting is you know Jalen got got asked several times uh, what does what does being a captain mean to you, Jalen? And you know it's several versions I should say of that type of question. And he was very humble. He was like, "Yeah, man, it just it means a lot. Uh, I'm trying to be the best version of myself." And uh, <laughs> Take <a shot. laughs> right. And uh, he he's very appreciative of the fact that he's only been here for a short time and the guys voted for him. The guys voted for Jalen Hurts as captain, so it means a lot to him. Uh, and I think we kind of saw this coming, you know. He and I asked CD about, he, you know, his leadership and his evolution here. And um, CD, I think CD was very impressed from the time that he got there. He, basically, he said he hasn't really changed since he's been here. I asked asked uh, Jalen about how have you changed? How have you evolved? What have you learned about the offense or your teammates or whatever, and gotten them to vote you captain? And he said. Just trying to be the best best version of myself. He literally said that. <laughs> so, um, but but that's kind of what, what if he smirked at you when he said it? He did. <laughs> what if he, he did? No, he actually did. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, he smirked at a lot of us. Somebody asked him about uh, being prepared to run out there on the field and going through the logistics, and he he goes, "Not like I haven't done this before." <laughs> I, I thought that was really funny. No, it, but again, one of the reasons I haven't released the depth chart to kind of float back to where go. we started was uh, Bill Biedenboe and that offensive line. 
We're, I yep. mean, we're, we're here's the depth chart still. As as far as I know, uh, as far as my rec- our recording of this uh, particular podcast and uh, doing stuff that I was doing today, getting eye exams. I got an eye exam today. I got new contacts. There you go. Googly eyes. That's what we've got for a depth chart. Yeah, so. for everybody uh, listening and not watching the video, um, this, John this is just, what it looks like. John if you're just a literally fan. pulled up the depth chart for the camera. So yeah, it looks like somebody got a. Looks like somebody committed to OU. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know it's interesting though, John, because there's a part of me that kind of understands the. Uh, I, I don't even want to call it a trolling aspect of Jalen Hurts whenever he's mm-hmm. talking to the media, but. There, there is something that has bothered me. I, I've said it before, uh, more so in, in regards to, like, he's not a game manager. Let's let's stop pretending that he's, yeah. like, yeah, he lost his job to a guy that could potentially win the Heisman Trophy. Jalen Hurts is still a pretty damn good quarterback mm-hmm. who's won at a high level, who's performed at a high level, and put his team in a position to win a national championship as a freshman right? Um, against Deshaun Watson and the Clemson Tigers. So um, he's not a game manager. And yes, he's going to a new system. And yes, he's going to a system that um, accuracy and timing is way more important than it was with under Lane Kiffin. And I Alabama. asked him that question. Ooh, what did he say? About timing. What did he say? Just trying to be the best version of myself. <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating. I'm not so, lying. The reason why I don't really blame him for like that kind of troll aspect is I'm sure he's annoyed with this. I th- I'm sure he just wants to go out there and just show. Play ball. Play ball. That was the other quote. And, and he said it. it about five times. Man, I'm just ready to play ball. Man, I'm just ready to go out there and play ball. I'm just ready to go out there and show what I can do. Yeah, it's going to be. It's, he is very excited. It's going to be interesting um, sort of. if, if he goes out there and struggles. If OU still wins, but OU struggles. It's going to be interesting how he interacts with the media at that point mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see how he interacts with the media if he goes out there and throws four touchdowns rushes for a touchdown and you know only has four or five incompletions and oh he walks away with an easy victory yeah I, I don't think he's going to change if he throws four interceptions or four touchdowns i think he's going to be pretty much the same we're going to get the same tenor of of answers and things like that this is like the worst worst time to do podcasts in my opinion is because we have nothing really like like we're, we're talking about like how is somebody going to answer questions how is somebody mm-hmm. going to interact with the media like i just want to watch football john we're not we're almost there we've got um osu and oregon state on friday night um nothing really fun on saturday um texas plays louisiana tech but uh, tulsa michigan state on saturday tulsa michigan State is that at east lansing at, at east lansing yep. oh spartan stadium tulsa can show out I'm, one of the best games I've ever watched, the, um, non-OU, was when Tulsa went into Notre Dame and beat Jimmy Clausen. That was a great game, that wasn't was it? That so was awesome. amazing. I watched oh. that game in Columbia, Missouri, covering the OU game that, old that friend, week. Old friend Trey Watts balled out in that game. Yeah, he's a good player. I'm surprised he didn't end up sticking with the Rams. Yeah, that was, that was a shame. Had some uh, personal things going mm. on. Um, but, yeah, well, moving forward, we've been talking about the Houston game for John, like I said, the last month month and a half Mm -hmm. and it's going to be interesting the offensive line is going to be interesting if you want to visit revisit that at all yeah so with the offensive line it seems like twitter every ou fan that i've talked to pretty much all knows who the guys are going to be sort Uh, of yeah for the most part yeah creed humphrey of course captain center the puzzle pieces are all on the table Mm -hmm. but we don't we haven't fit them together yet we don't know which pieces go exactly where and that's the interesting part because i went back and watched the houston game from 2016 and you see guys that became you know, all conference, all Americans, uh, one of the best offensive lines in OU history, mm-hmm. and they're playing in pl- completely different positions. Yeah. So, what Beedenbo said the other day about it's not about finding the five most individually talented guys to go out there. It's it's about finding the five um, best players that play well the best together. Right. And that's going to be the 
I, I guess, the problem. And that's really only something that you can only find out during football against an opponent, not in practice, because it, it's a safer environment. It's a place where you can learn. It's a place where you can ask questions. You can't be asking questions, you know, in front of 80, 90,000 people mm-hmm. against Houston. You can't be asking questions at that point. So in, in the past, let's see, how long, how long have I covered OU? This will be 15th year I've covered OU football. Uh, in the past 15 years, the two seasons that were what you Sooner fans would call bad seasons, 2005, okay, right after the national championship game, 2004. 2005. And 2009, right after the national championship game in 2008. Such a dud. Both of those seasons, OU replaced four of their five starting offensive linemen. And they ended up going seven and five and won their bowl game, went eight and five. I think both years went seven and five, won their bowl game, went eight and five. Well, I will, I will so say this. consider that. When, you, when we're trying to evaluate how good Jalen Hurts is, C.D. Lambs are going to be an All-American. Uh, Creed Humphrey, the next uh, first-round draft pick, right? Uh, how good is this defense going to be? Guys, there's so much pressure right now on, on the offensive line. The good thing that they didn't have back in 2005 and they didn't have in 2009 is they have Bill Biedenboe. Oh, yeah. Bill Biedenboe will figure something out. It may not be in week one. It may not be in week two. It may not even be in week three or He's four. He's got a more than proven track record. He's going to figure some stuff out. He's going to pull some guys off the, out of the lineup. Remember Drew Samia? Starts first game on the bench. Uh, the other guy started at right tackle started at right tackle ended <laughs> up at guard you know I mean he's going to do that he's Bill Biedenboe is going to put the right pieces in place where they're needed but don't expect you know 550 yards and 55 points uh, come Saturday against Houston don't piss me off John you've been here for 12 minutes Houston's <laughs> defense is terrible and they're, they're they were terrible last year and they haven't gotten any better they got a new coordinator okay but it's not like OU's just going to go out there with that new, brand-new offensive line and figure things out, have things figured out from the get-go. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting because, like, I thought about that, um, those factors, 2005 example, 2009 example, you know, inside and out. And one of the resources that we do have at the uh, 107.7 The Franchise is Sam Mays. And I went up to him a few weeks ago, and I asked him, it's, it's kind of a weird question, and it might be silly, but I just wanted to know if, if there was any substance to this. But in 2005 and 2009, other than the four out of the five starters that had to be replaced, the other common factor between those two years was the one starter that was coming back wasn't the center. So in 2004, you, you had Vince Carter, who was a multi-year starter, who was really good at center for mm-hmm. OU. He was gone. Yep. Uh, 2009, uh, John Cooper had uh, graduated, who was a multi-year starter yep. as well. And so I asked Sam Mays, if you're basically returning the majority of your, if you're not returning the majority of your offensive line except for one guy, is it much more important if it's the center more so than a left tackle or a right tackle? Because it really, you can have Orlando Brown at your, at, you know, yeah. sophomore, junior left, um, Orlando Brown at left tackle, and then a bunch of freshmen and sophomores who haven't played, and it won't matter. Right. It really won't matter at that point. And Sam said, yeah, it, it's it's really important that Creed is the guy that came back, just not just from a physical standpoint, but from no. an intelligent standpoint, Mental because he's 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 the guy that gets everybody in line and so that's i guess that's one optimistic thing you can take moving forward 100 percent. so the guys that they brought back were davin joseph who played guard and then shifted yeah. out to i think he played left guard next to, to jamal brown and then shifted out to tackle that he, in was, he was the left tackle in 05 and then in 2009 uh trent williams went from right tackle you probably played on that offensive to, line. <laughs> to, to uh to i think left tackle in 2009 i think I, he might have stayed at right and then eventually came to left do you remember what he did um in the sun bowl that year 
he played center. Trent Williams <laughs> played center. That's he right. He played center yeah. just randomly. And yes. he played really well because he's a monster. Yeah. He's so, so good. Yeah, consider who those guys were. I mean, each one has played eight, nine, ten years in the NFL, been in the Pro Bowl, and those were the guys that were back, and it didn't help. It, when they started those seasons, uh, both the TCU game in 2005 and the BYU game in 2009, those, those offensive lines were absolutely exposed by small, undersized, uh, group of five type defenses. Oh, yeah. And here we are <laughs> replacing four starters, the center not being one of them, but replacing four starters and they're going up against a small, undersized group of five type defense. And I can still remember um, like BYU's really small, undersized, speedy ends just getting right Colby around to the point. Clawson. Right at the point of attack and just destroying Sam Bradford. Like, yeah, he got hurt on that one play, but he was getting his ass yeah, kicked was. all day. It was there were so many red flags in that game. Yep. But like I said, so, you've been here for 15 minutes now. You've pissed me off well, twice. You asked me <laughs> on, on Twitter today, do I need to start drinking heavily this season? I, and I'm going to ask answer that on my blog, which you need to. If you're watching this, if you're listening, send me a tweet at John E Hoover. Put the ta- the hashtag Ask Hoover on it. Ask Hoover, not Ask Hoover, Ask Hoover, okay? <laughs> Come on. S- send me a tweet, send me a question. What I'm going to do is I'm going to answer your question on Twitter. I'm going to answer your question on the blog on our website, thefranchiseok.com, Oklahoma's fastest-growing sports news website. Hell yeah. And uh, the best questions will get answered on the show on Friday. So Ask Hoover on Twitter, hashtag Ask Hoover, at uh, Johnny Hoover. Just tweet at me your OU questions. I will answer them. Uh, one of the questions that I'm sure people have is, who the hell's going to play on the offensive line? And talking to Bill Biedenboe today, he didn't know. I think he knows. <laughs> he knows. He's just not ready to, to reveal yet. Yeah, but l- like I said. You want to like, try to guess? You want to try to go over who they're going to be? Okay. Um, well, uh, center, Greed Humphrey. Yes. Um, we, one for one. We've got Adrian Ely at right guard. No, uh, he's going to be the right tackle. Right tackle? Oh. Yeah. Okay. I could have swore somebody said Somebody was wrong. Okay, we got Ely at right tackle, mm-hmm. which everyone's excited for him. He was a four – some services, he was a five-star recruit out of mm-hmm. Louisiana, so there's a lot of hype for him. Um, Swinson has really been talked about a lot. Yeah. He's, there's a lot of optimism around him. He might be the guy with maybe I'm, t- I'm told the most upside. Yep. Uh, long-term, uh, outside of Creed. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be your left tackle. Okay. That's, that's the guess here anyway. I've R. heard some other names. R.J. Proctor's right guard, right? R.J. Proctor will be right guard, or he if uh, Marquise Hayes. Hayes doesn't work out at left guard, R.J. Proctor would be the left guard, and then uh, the right guard would be this, – this, this is what Bill Biedenboe has to face. Michael, are, Michael Thompson? Uh, I don't think he's advanced enough yet to, to be on that spot. Um, I asked about him at media day. Uh, Michael Thompson. And he and, said, I'm not advanced enough yet. <laughs> well, no, I don't, I don't think he was made available just yet. Uh, but, there, yeah, there's some – I mean, Bray Walker's been in the in the mix. Uh, uh, the discussion for uh, who's – you know, was he going to start at guard? Is he going to be a tackle? Yep. Um, he's certainly in, under the consideration. And I get the feeling that, for the most part, Bill Biedenboe's got seven guys that he's going to choose from. And five of – four of them will be brand-new starters whoever he picks i mean really for me you've got a new offensive line you you've got such an easy way to go about this right run the football learn really quickly who your five guys are 
You got to learn who your dogs are. You got to learn who's not afraid to get their nose dirty, not get mm-hmm. not afraid to get blood on their jersey. You've got Trey Sermon, you've got Kennedy Brooks, you've got freshmen who haven't played that a lot of people are still excited for um, out of sp- um, summer and fall practice, and you've got Jalen Hurts, who's a running back pretty much <laughs> in 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 his, in his body. So, just run the football. Um, Houston should have no yeah. n- like even if they stack the box, if they if they put nine in the box, okay. Then just let Jalen just throw a simple go route to one of these five star freak athletes that are all going to be playing in the NFL yeah. moving forward. So to me, it, it, like the game plan offensively should be very simple: run the football, just run it, and then your offensive line will gel um, with the success of the running game. I feel as time moves on. I'll tell you the other name I've heard at left tackle is Finley Felix. Yep. Uh, yep. Instead of Swenson, and uh, Swenson may move out to right, but I think Adrian Ely is going to be an important player for this line. And then the guy, the name we were looking for at right guard, uh, who started there in the spring game at least, Tyrese Robinson. Okay. Basically, there's about three to four. There's three or four guys that are probably still going to play. Like I really wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of guys just kind of turning around. Yeah, just, yeah, absolutely. Um, and they'll move outside. They'll move inside. They'll mm-hmm. switch left to right. Now the problem is going to be is if OU's defense can't force a few punts early on. Mm-hmm. And allow OU to pull away. Yes. Then Beedmo will ha- won't have that luxury. He's going to have to quickly find who can I depend on to at least protect Jalen Hurts. It may not be a luxury if they're going three and out though. Oh gosh. You know, and <laughs> it, it may be a necessity. Well, I, I kind of wanted to use the example of the 2016 Houston game, which again, that Houston team is not this current Houston team mm-hmm. now. Derek King, very very good, very very talented. Um, probably better. Is he better than Greg Ward? I think so. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Now, the skill position guys, I don't think they're as good as they were um, in 2016 because you had Catalan, the uh, running back that transferred from TCU. That I mean, he ran the ball 22 times in that game. He only had 88 yards, but he had so many back-breaking, like broken tackles and short yard situations. He had mm-hmm. so many. There was this one play where it was a – uh, he just ran a wheel route wide open. You know, he was so unaccounted for a handful DJ of times. So, Remember who the quarterback was? Um, for who? TCU. TCU. Was it Casey Pock? Nah. What was his Great name? Great name. Ty Gun. Ty Gun. Gosh. How did that not work? <laughs> um, no, so going back to that 2016 Houston game, Oh, you had the same issue with their You're offensive. You're talking about Catalan, different Catalan. Okay. I was talking about a TCU Catalan. You were talking about the Houston Catalan. Oh, I, I thought that. My mistake, folks. My was mistake. That, did that guy not transfer to Houston? Is that what it was? Yeah, I think so. I think you're he right. He played OU in 2014 and then transferred. <laughs> and played OU in 2016. And played him and beat him you're in 2016. You're 100% right. Okay. So that game. Don't question <laughs> Brady's football I, stats I am memory. A, I am a nerd. <laughs> I'm a nerd, dude. Um, anyway. So, yeah, that game, like we said earlier, we had guys that eventually played positions at an all-conference level. They were playing out of position in that game. And while OU looked kind of cool offensively early on, that did not age well. And Houston kept moving the football. They kept mm. um, scoring, whether it was a field goal. Big receivers. They had big receivers. And OU had five foot eight cornerbacks that yes. shouldn't be playing D- Division One football. You're right. <laughs> um, yeah, so... That all that all happens, and OU basically has to find their their guys in that moment, just to move and move the football, mm-hmm. just to protect Baker Mayfield, and they couldn't protect him at all in the second quarter, third quarter. It was really really ugly, 
and um, OU abandoned the running game, I, I feel, a little bit too quickly. And basically the whole point of this is that is still in play for this game. Like, the, all those things could still happen. Even though this isn't the same Houston team, it's it's probably a little bit worse. Uh, the coaching, um, I, I don't know if you want to debate Tom Herman versus Dana Holgerson. Uh, Holgerson has a little bit more experience um, playing Lincoln Riley and OU, so there's that. But um, everything that um, hampered OU in that game can happen this game. And that's, that's my primary worry is um, if OU abandons the run game early because things aren't going perfect – and they want to just try and score quickly to yep. match up with Houston's offensive uh, firepower. That's not that's not the name of the game, in my opinion. You just need to run the football, be vi- pretty vanilla offensively, and hope your defense can make a turnover or two. Do you think the uh, onus is on the OU defensive line then to, to get some penetration to Abs- get some disruption? Absolutely, because you've got a play call, you've got a dynamic quarterback, you've got a play calling quote unquote genius, uh, an offensive mind in in uh, Dana Holgerson. Uh, so you know there's going to be some some uh, opportunities for for big plays, if they can disrupt things, if they can get Dana in a second and thirteen, third and nine, you know fairly consistently throughout the throughout the game, isn't that something that that is incumbent upon the Oklahoma defensive line? And maybe you know maybe you blitz if you if you're not getting the penetration you're not getting the disruption you need maybe you start sending blitzes if you're because Alex Grinch knows how to blitz blitz he knows he knows how to blitz he knows what he's doing if Buki's out there just send him on a send nickel him. blitz yeah. every single time yeah. just make send somebody um, yeah just make him accountable make him have an impact on the game um, and actually that was um, what you just brought up that was actually a question I was wanting to ask you about the defense um, what do you want to see out of the defense now I'm going to ask you kind of a like two general ways that you can go about this. Mm-hmm. One way is, of course, the right answer because it's like asking, like, what do you what do you want to do tomorrow? Like, do you want to get a raise? Well, yes, of course. But is it realistic that you'll get a raise tomorrow? It's like, well, no. So you got to you know think of some caveats. So, what do you want to see out of this OU defense? Do you want to see them make big plays? Um, that could be like multiple sacks, interceptions, uh, forcing turnovers. That's the right answer. Mm-hmm. Or do you want to see them just simply not screw up? And that can mean don't <laughs> That's the don't, wrong answer. don't don't let guys um, break tackles. No arm tackling. Nobody out of position. Nobody like with their arms up in the air. Like what what the hell am right, I supposed right, right. to be doing? Communication. Like, yeah, communication. Um, to me, that that would be the most important thing because OU is more than likely going to win this game. But if they win this game because they just get a lucky misthrow that turns into a Parnell Motley interception, it seemed like all of Motley's interceptions last year were just bad throws. They weren't yeah, ball hawking plays. True, yeah, yeah. Um, if it if that's where this game comes down to, and all those things happened, I'm not going to be very optimistic about this defense. They're, like they're, it's going to be a process. But if they just do the small things, yeah. like. Um, create some penetration, not let Derek Ward just stand back there like a statue, um, have a sip of beer, and then mm-hmm. toss a ball to a wide-open guy. But um, anybody in front of you, tackle him. Don't arm tackle. Right. Don't try to deliver the big hit, Buki, or five yes. foot eight. You know, just small things, John. That's what I want to see. It's really, uh, yes, small things. You're, uh, for me, what I'm after, um, Alex Grinch yesterday uh, or that Monday uh, said uh, it would be a great disappointment if they didn't have two turnovers. If they well, didn't average two turnovers, I think that that's I think that that's important just to have that mentality and Absolutely. to have that standard. You, you have to have, you have to have a standard. That's like a standard. That. So so ripping the football out, uh, stripping it when you get to the near the quarterback, 
uh, that kind of thing. Getting your hands up when you're rushing, getting a, maybe a tip ball in the air, something like that. Okay, that's that's one. Be disruptive. Do what, be a ball hawking defense. Say what you do. What you've been saying you're going to do. Number two, tackle. Tackle in space. Tackle with uh, sure hands. Tackle, um, you know, wrap up. And then the other side of that is gang tackle. If somebody misses the first tackle, there needs to be four or five guys laying, standing around him, knocking him down. And then the, the other part of that is you tie those two things together. If the first guy's got him wrapped up, the second guy's got to start stripping the football out. And then, and then the third thing that I would look for is busted coverage. Yeah. Don't get embarrassed. Listen, Derek King is going to he's going to beat you. They're going to you're going to get beat. He's going to get beat by he's Derek a great King. player. You're going to get beat in the Big 12, mm-hmm. but there's a difference between um, somebody is not in the right spot and yeah. you just got burned by right. a, a very talented guy that's probably mm-hmm. going to play in the NFL. And that's, that's supposed fine. to that's supposed to not happen because now they communicate better because now the defensive game plan is simpler. Okay, nobody's confused. Nobody's going out there not knowing what to do. That's what we're told. So if you start to see those things with the palms in the air and you're going, I don't know who's guy that was, that's when you start to say, okay, here we go again. Yeah, now if um, – and I feel like we're a broken record on bringing up Mike Stoops, but it's it's such a dark cloud over the program still because the talent that's here, especially the talent that has been here for the last few years, everything that we ever talk about about how, oh, they're really good when they're freshmen, but then they stay here for a little bit longer and then they get coached out of their own talent. Exactly. Um we heard this last year. We heard all those things like there's improvements here, um, like ball hawking in practice. Uh, the defense really kept up with the offense mm. and, in fact, won some days during practice. Mm-hmm. And then everything transpired. But that's where the optimism is, is um, this isn't Mike Stoops anymore. That's right. So you at least have that blind, well, I don't know what to expect. So you have to, I guess, inherently that's optimistic considering where OU's defense has been over the last few yeah, seasons. Yeah, and that and, and Alex Grinch has a, a bit of a track record in his, his short time at, uh, at Washington State. He put together some pretty impressive defenses. He really turned things around for the Cougs. Uh, a, a, a team, a, fo- a college football program that consistently hovers around the bottom, whether it's recruiting budget, whether it's uh, how many stars you average in recruiting, whether it's uh, you know the amount of money that you spend on on facilities or whatever, they're around the bottom of college football, of of Power Five football every year. He goes in there and what does he do? He turns around Mike Mike Leach's defense and turns them into a defense that absolutely has totally embraced mentally and physically the the concept of stripping the football, uh, being disruptive. Beating your man one-on-one. Win that one battle so you can go get in the backfield and, and greet the quarterback before he hands off the football. That's what they were able to do at Washington State. Imagine now a guy who's able to who has access to Texas and he has access to four-star recruits, not two-star recruits, five-star recruits, not three-star recruits. The guy, there's a lot of pressure on him to be good, but that's why they're paying him $1.4 million. Now, like I thought of that as well, um, and that's what everyone's kind of clinged on to from, like he comes from Washington State, he turned that defense around. Yeah. Maybe he can do the same thing with OU. But um, I feel like we've, we, we've kind of applied this, this cliche that I'm about to bring up um, in other places. It's easier to coach those two and three stars to play above their heads. Whereas when you're coaching the four and five stars who may be a little bit more entitled, who may feel like that they're being wrong in some way because their unit is, you know, 
you know, like the defense is, is bad, Snyder. but I'm not, I'm not that bad. Bill Snyder made a living out of it. Exactly. So that's, I feel that that's a factor that I'm looking forward to, but it seems like from everything that we've heard from Kenneth, like Gallimore, Kenneth Murray, Buki, um, everybody that we've been able to talk to Perkins. or that you guys, you guys have been able to talk to Ronnie Perkins. Um, it seems like that they have all but bought in completely um, mentally, verbally. Mm-hmm. Now, again, it's the question that I asked, I think on the first uh, episode, John, the real test is going to be, well, when mistakes happen, and they will happen, mistakes will happen with Alabama's defense. Yeah. It's not that big of a, you know, I'm not trying to slide OU in any way, but when mistakes happen, you just can't let them pile up on you, and you can't let them just continue. You've got to you've got to improve, and um, having that two um, turnover standard on your defense, I feel is very important for that because when mistakes do happen, go back onto the sideline, look at what you did wrong, let Jalen Hurts and the offense go down there and probably score a touchdown, mm-hmm. then go out there and go strip the football yeah. and go get it back. And then everything that happened in, in the past, it's, who cares? Right. Yeah, at some point, Kenneth Murray needs to stop looking like an All-American and start playing like an All-American. Well, he doesn't have the neck roll anymore. so. <laughs> oh, he got rid of the neck roll? Yeah, he got rid of it. Okay, so upstairs he needs to play like an All-American. He needs to be an All-American. At some point, Neville Gallimore needs to quit uh, being uh, a guy who, and I think he's going to, when you go from, you take a guy like that who's not spectacular mm-hmm. and you make him two gap, he's going to be very average. Yeah. And he's been very average. Now, slim him down, pick up his speed a little bit, give him a new attitude, give him a new mission, and put him in one gap. He needs to be that guy now. Yeah, right? What he you needs were saying. to be that guy and not be some average. That's what they've yeah. had. They've had a lot of guys who, who were either average or they were mistake prone. Mm hmm. And those those two things don't make for a good defense. Yeah, what you were saying in the last episode with Rufus, um, like knifing through the uh, yeah. offensive line, I mean, that's perfect. And that's perfect for Neville Gallimore because the thing with him has always been he is a freak athlete. Mm-hmm. He can do all these cool things in the weight room. Yep. He can run a 40 and a 4.6. Like, he's insane. But I heard 4.7 today. Four, I seven. was skeptical of that but, as well. But, you know, you, you see that I see this in basketball a lot. Like, um, And I don't want to keep bringing up the thunder, but – um, Terrence Ferguson is a guy um, uh, who's an athletic freak, and you, Jones. I see things. I see. Th- <laughs> I see things that he can do in practice, um, just dunking the basketball. And you think, man, if he can just apply that yeah. to the floor during a basketball game with other guys out there and guys out there trying to defend him, there's no telling how good this guy can be. And that kind of applies to Neville Gallimore yeah, when yeah. he is able to apply that athleticism. And I feel like what you were saying, slimming down, being able to knife through the um, through the one gap, that's exactly what he needs to do. And yeah. it's going to pay dividends, I feel. Kevin Durant on Perry Jones. Remember? Oh. Remember? Perry Jones is the best, most athletic player in the NBA. Well, why can he not get on the floor? <laughs> it's all up here. Well, 90% of the game is half mental, folks. Don't ask him. He um, he went on his little media tour when the big three were here, and he, uh, <laughs> I, he pretty much blamed it on Scott Brooks, I think. Did he? I think so. That a boy. Oh, well, <laughs> it's never my fault. Um, okay, well, John, before we get out of here, because you've got a long ride ahead of you um, after you had such a just a wonderful media availability at OU. I'm still going to write. You can still read all about it no. at thefranchiseok.com. And I'm going to because I'm a nerd, of course, like I've said a zillion times. But I, did, I didn't want to prepare you for this because we haven't talked about this one time on this podcast. Okay. Who the hell's going to punt and kick for this team? And can we depend oh, upon them? This is a very underrated. I said this in the preseason. This is a very underrated. How did the Houston game swing in 2016? Uh, kick six. Yeah. yeah. Austin Seibert could, didn't have the leg. Which is shocking. It's shocking, but eh, uh, I never really. 
Inside 40 yards, I was he's gonna he'll be fine. Yeah. Outside of 40 yards, yeah. like nobody thought OU was making that field goal. I watched that game with my dad, my cousin, and um, and our other friend. None of us thought he was making That's, that field goal. I, I agree. We all thought I it was agree. silly. Just punt it, yeah. pooch it, do something. Don't do this. Yeah. Um. So that this is important, John. Um. So who's gonna be the kicker? Uh. And listen, here's here's why it's important. You you're you're literally le- losing the all-time NCAA kick scoring leader. Mm-hmm. Austin Seibert. Say what you will about his, his ability no, to hit, a, he hit was, a kick in clutch time. He was consistent. He was consistent. He put it through the uprights. Uh, the all-time score in uh, NCAA field goals. Thank you, Lincoln Riley. Right. Yeah. I mean, you got to get in the end zone to kick PATs. I said field goals. I meant PATs. And then um, not to mention punting. But he, he was, did it for four years, and he did both of them, yeah. and he did kickoffs. And this is a huge part of the game that no one has talked about all preseason. The Army game, like people are going to point to the fact that he missed that field goal to potentially win the game as time expired, mm-hmm. and he did. But there were a few times, because OU had to punt a few times that day, where he flipped the field, and he made it a little bit harder on Army to march down the field <laughs> uh, methodically. And, uh, oh, yeah, we, we said the Army game, so everybody take a shot. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, like, John, this is kind of a worry for me because people don't really ever think about punting or even, like, point-afters or kickoffs, but Seibert was a guy who constantly kicked it into the end zone, never really had a chance, gave the opponent a chance to uh, have a big return. Um, he was a guy who could flip the field uh, mm-hmm. somewhat consistently as a punter. Yeah, he was he, a good punter. And like I said, when you got inside 40 yards and OU's offense stalled, all right, three points. Let's do this. Let's go try again. So who are, who are the candidates? That's why I asked uh, you. <laughs> Reeves Munchau is going to be the punter. That's my prediction, I think. Reeves that's, Munchau, where's he out of? Uh, he is uh, out of, gosh, I should know this, New Braunfels, Texas. Yeah, good program. Yeah. Uh, and you're punting, so who cares, <laughs> right? I mean, I do. <laughs> uh, but the other, the, the other, this is a, see, this is a storyline that is so foreign to us because we've been so focused on Jalen Hurts. How do you fix this line, defense? Defense, yeah. The, the offensive line situation, and then the uh, the, the Jalen Hurts transfer. Uh, Caleb Sutherland. I mean, is he going to be a guy that is is uh, the, the you know the place kicker? Um, Gabe Burkich was my thing. I think my preseason when when I did way back in in uh, April and Lindy's magazine needed a two deep. I said I think I said Gabe Burkich is going to be the guy. Can, can Spencer had, can Spencer Rattler punt? <laughs> good question. We've had Lincoln Riley half a dozen times, and the question has never once come up. I mean, again, I don't I don't blame you. I mean, no one really ever cares about special teams until it loses you a football game. Yeah, let's talk about it again on Sunday night. There you go. All right. Well, um, let me see. Was there anything else, John? Anything else at all? I feel like there was something else. Oh, well. I think that's just where we're going to have to leave it then. I think we did it. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to be um, – this one was just a little bit of a shorter podcast since John was in town. I don't know how often John will be in town in Norman, especially after today. Midweek, yeah. <laughs> now, next week, remember, the press conference is Tuesday. Yeah. Because of the Sunday night game. Yeah, because I, I actually thought about that earlier today because it would have given Lincoln Riley such a good opportunity to, if someone got dinged up in the Houston game, to say, oh, it's a little too early to tell. Typically we have these games on Saturday mm-hmm. and then we have a day on Sunday, so I don't have any information for you guys. Just yeah. another reason to just say, I don't want to tell you what That's happened. Right. He has a rolled ankle. Oh, yeah. well. But, uh, yeah, so I, I don't know how consistently we'll be able to do um, uh, midweek episodes in person, but 
when those chances arrive, mm-hmm. um, we'll do our best to keep doing those so we can have some video. Um, but hopefully, the lighting will be a little better next time. Oh yeah, this. I mean, <laughs> it seems like every sh- every show you have something else out of your backpack. I know, right? That you didn't use the, the last time. So <laughs> we just we'll have multiple lights. We'll have p- people with like a boom mic right yeah, above that'd us. Yeah, be so. good. Um, but yeah, um, we will be probably we'll do our best to do a, a little a quick quick pregame thing on Sunday if I can find if I can find you we can find some time because we'll both be in the same area um, and I'll try to get that out quickly so you guys can listen to it before the game cool and but of course anything else we will have a post game show um, either late Sunday night maybe early Monday morning we don't know um, but we will get that out to you as soon as um, we can but John's going to be busy so. Who knows? And Rufus will do his best. Um, he doesn't really know his schedule yet um, after the game, but he'll know it moving forward after the game. We'll try to get him on as well. But, um, yeah, John, thank you for coming down and having a good time with me and Norman at Blue. So thank you to uh, Blue and Norman once again. Uh, but for Great Mr. case it is. Oh, yeah. I'm starving. Um, for Mr. John Hoover, this is Brady Trantham. Everybody watching on YouTube, thank you so much. And everybody listening to uh, the podcast, thank you guys so much. And y'all have a good rest of the day. Listen to Brady Trantham Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Follow him on Twitter at Brady Does Sports. Listen to John Hoover weekdays from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Follow him on Twitter at John E. Hoover. Subscribe, rate, and review all the podcasts in the Franchise Podcast Network. The Sam Mays Podcast, All In, Inside OU, OKC82, and Intimate with TV's Jerry can be found in all the places you listen to your podcasts. Seriously, just subscribe. You don't even have to listen.